right, I'm going to start out the message uh, today with a couple of questions. A couple of questions. What is a constitution and how important is a constitution? I looked up a definition and, uh, and this is what it said. The basic principles and laws of a nation, state, or other organization that determine the powers and duties of its government and guarantee certain rights to the people in it. Now, our most familiar constitution is that of our beloved country, the United States of America. It was written in 1787. It was ratified in 1788. Of course, you know, we always recognize 1776. It took a little while for this constitution to come up about and then it's in operation since 1789. The, the United States Constitution is the world's longest surviving written charter of government. Its first three words of the preamble are we the people. It affirms that the government of the United States exists to serve its citizens. And I'll read the preamble. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. The preamble explains the purpose the purposes of the Constitution defines the powers of the new government as originating from the people of the United States. Now, 87 years later, four score and seven years ago, <laughs> the Constitution of the United States of America would be greatly challenged through a great civil war that threatened to divide what was united Together, The Battle of Gettysburg was fought July 1st through the 3rd. Interesting, it stopped at the 4th of July. In and around the town of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, by Union and Confederate forces during what we know as the American Civil War. The battle involved the largest number of casualties of the entire war and is often described as the war's turning point. Four and a half months later, President Lincoln would deliver the Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. 
Now, that's an interesting statement that President Lincoln didn't really know. He says, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. <laughs> but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. You know, I was recently watching a, a six-DVD set of the story of America. The DVDs start with the early forming of America through the first six presidents. Though the presentation was taken from or given as a, a, in a humanistic uh, standpoint or a historic standpoint, and through relig though religion was mentioned only in brevity, there were a few glaring motivations that you could not deny that drove the formation of our new nation. Number one, God was a central motivation. And unless you put your head in the sand, the God they referenced time and time again was the one and only God, the God of the Bible. It was interesting, Brother Mike was talking a little bit about God and who he is and how, you know, he can't become a God. He's just, is always God, because that's how God is. You know, did you ever think about it? There can only be one God. Now it's God in three persons, but how could you have multiple gods? Who's the God, the head of those gods? There's only one, can only be one true God. Number two, this was very important, no more king was the other great motivation. <laughs> they did not want a king. They tore that king's statue down and they made bullets out of it. And no more state-run church, no more Church of England. Government will have no place in the affairs of the church. Those are glaring things in the formation of this country. Now, as I thought about this, this is the antithesis or the opposite act of what I consider perhaps the saddest motivation of God's people. In 1 Samuel 8, 19, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, which is really God speaking through Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Israel rejected God and brought in a king. America rejected a king and brought in God. And they bought it with their wealth and their lives. Is it any wonder that God blessed a nation with such a resolve? 
But we face another battle of our Constitution, another civil war being fought right now between two divided people. The people of God with the weapon of truth and the people of Satan, the unsaved, with the weapon of lies. We are in a great civil war over our country's true founding and the correctness of its constitution. To answer the second question, how important is a constitution? It is of utmost importance. It is a document of unity. United we stand, divided we fall. Mark said, and if a kingdom be divided, in Mark, Jesus speaking, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In Matthew it's worded, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And in Luke it is repeated, But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. We at Eastside Baptists have a constitution and bylaws. It is a document of unity. And though it may not be referred to on a regular basis, it stands to remind us of our purpose, our beliefs, our duty, and how we are to govern ourselves. Without a steady, clear conformance to its precepts and principles, we are subject to erosion and a great fall. Some pious Christian critics would criticize such conformance to man's ideal, stating that there was no conformance to a mandate written document in the early church. May I remind you there was no completed word of God at that time either. It was built upon the foundation of the apostles and supported with great signs and wonders which do not exist today. Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Romans 15.19, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem... And roundabout into Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul speaking. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them, that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. This is the early church speaking here. And it's prophecy. 
but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. There will never be another early church. It was an infantile church. It was innocent, simple, and pure in its early development stages. We now have the clear word of God and we have the power of the indwelling spirit that leads us clearly into all truth. We are in the matured church and should act accordingly. The church, whether the early church or mature church, does have some things in common throughout all its lifespan. Faith, as we read, and hope, and the greatest of all, charity, love. It's a gospel of love that requires a response from every individual that will ever live or have lived. Some people will argue that the early church did not have church buildings. If they were not hunted and persecuted, if their wealth was not stripped from them because of their beliefs, do you think that they would have not erected the best facilities for worship and teaching godly principles? What do you think they would have done with that, all that money and things that they had if it wasn't stripped away from them? Just lived a more lavish lifestyle? No. They'd have done everything they could with that and done something for the Lord's. But it seems like their lot was to take what they had. Some parchment paper and pen, the very lives of suffering and of martyrdom to get out the gospel in their day. It was their lot to be chased and scattered like wildfire across the world. And like a prairie wildfire, it propelled its existence into a future that can never be quenched. Talk about a document that has lived and will live the Bible. A church that will exist till Christ comes again and raptures it out. The Great Commission is the same back then and is today. To get the gospel out to the world with all the given resources available to us. And much is, to whom much is given, much is required. Now let me again quote the Gettysburg Address because, boy, I thought of this when I read it. But I want to insert the spiritual context of the church because I think it applies. We are met on a great battlefield of that war of the early church. We have come to dedicate a portion of their memory to our minds as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives at the Lord's church would grow. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow their memory. The brave men and women who gave their lives for the gospel have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought and so nobly advanced the cause of Christ through the church. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us 
that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain that this church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ under Almighty God shall have a perpetual heralding of the gospel that the call to new birth might be to all people having been delivered the opportunity to be freed from sin and become the servants of righteousness upon this earth and so into all eternity. I think it fits. From here I will conclude the message entitled What's Your Constitution? Let's pray. Father, what a great task we have before us. We must have a constitution. We must have something that unifies us together. Something of importance. There was a lot paid for. For us that we might have life. First of all, the Lord Jesus Christ who died on a cross to save us from our sins. And then those in the early church who gave their lives and through much persecution and difficult times and getting the word of God printed that we have in our hands today. If we're going to fail in this country, it's because of we think we have things figured out. We think we're rich. We have a duty and a responsibility. May we see that today through our, in our church, in our homes, and in our individual lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I would like to reintroduce you to the constitution of our church. And yes, it is very important to us as a church. It is a document that unifies us as a body of believers. If you want to find an unstable church, if you want to find an eroding church, if you want to find a weak church, it will be a church who is unwilling to boldly declare its constitution and or, and or have a resolve to know it and to follow it seriously. May that not be the case ever in this church. May we be a church of strong constitution and conviction and constantly improving it that it, we may more clearly align itself with the unchanging word of God. Our constitution isn't perfect. We'll probably change some things. I gave it to, when I started the church, I needed something to start with. I used somebody's and, and clawed away at it and added some things that I felt that were important and I just went with it so uh, Tim Reader when he had joined the church I gave him as I do with those joining the church give him a copy of the Constitution so that they can read through it um, of course he was a writer a technical writer <laughs> and he started oh there was all sorts of grammar and things and stuff and uh, that he found and uh, so it's quite interesting so we need to work on it a little bit but our church begins with article number one, simply 
a name. Sounds pretty simple. The name of this church shall be Eastside Baptist Church. There's a lot in that. We have an identity. We have a place of residence. We are a local group of called out believers in Jesus Christ. Yeah, that sounds, oh, that's simple. That's not so simple and obvious. Man, there's all sorts of kinds of thoughts about what a church is. Article 2, though, and we're going to kind of work on these here today, states six key points in the purpose of our church. It is the framework upon which all the activities of our church must rest upon. It needs to have a purpose behind it. Our church's constitution, like the preamble of our nation's constitution, begins with a statement of our purpose. It states, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. Number one, the evangelization of the world through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one major purpose. All of what we do and the ministries we support must have its basis in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the answer to the cry of a lost and dying world. It is somewhat easy to identify this in our ministering of finances and prayers through the Hall family in Thailand or in giving to First Bible who prints and distributes Bibles in native languages to people groups who will be receiving their first Bible. That's why they're called First Bible. However, there are ministries that we give to that are indirectly tied to evangelizing the world. We give to Lighthouse Legal Ministries also known as LLM. This organization is dedicated to the legal support of churches and Christian families. LLM, without asking for anything in return, freely gave their services to guide me through the formation of this church. And there's a lot of work behind that. They are a local church ministry with lawyers who have given their services to uphold the gospel of Christ by providing legal training and counsel when needed. They're there. They don't ask questions. They just do. They just trust God will supply their need. We support them. We support the Southern Ohio Pregnancy Center. And we just got a letter of an invitation that they have their annual um, dinner uh, to, to go to. And um, so we're going to be praying about what couple to, to send there this year. We've been taking turns going to that. But it's Humanity work of pregnancy is a Christ-centered ministry. Their counsel is clearly and unashamedly rooted in the ministry of the gospel. It's pretty clear there. These are some strong people. Fairhaven Ministries, whose humanity work is feeding, clothing, and housing the poor and homeless is a Christ-centered ministry in northern Kentucky, whose proclamation of help resides in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're there to lead people to Christ. To lead them to Christ is the answer for their life. Their success, you might consider small, but it's given those people an opportunity to have a true meaning 
of life. We as a church need to have a vision and a heart to increasingly get the gospel message out as individuals, families as you minister, and through the church. It needs to extend to our communities, our country, and the world. It is a founding purpose of this church. Number two, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. The edification of believers in Christian faith through the preaching and teaching of the Bible. Not only do we purpose to get out the gospel to the lost, it is our responsibility and purpose to teach and preach the word of God to believers that they may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is our purpose to see the church edified, build up, in the knowledge and understanding and obedience to the Word of God. Our purpose must remain strong to this end. We must continually be involved in any practical way we can, can to see this happen. We must serve every age group in this endeavor. Every ministry you submit to. Whether small, whether large, whether directly or indirectly is an investment into the teaching and preaching of God's Word. When you cut the grass, clean the church, pick up a child, help at VBS, or simply just being kind and loving to one another sets the stage for the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Number three, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. The administration of biblical ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are very special services that are to be observed in accordance to God's Word. After salvation, new believers are commanded to be baptized. Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It is called believer's baptism. It is to be administered by immersion as it is representative of the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you have not been baptized, I encourage you. It is necessary for you to be baptized. It is a physical identification of what happened to us spiritually, internally, when we trusted Christ as our Savior. It is an unashamed identification to the church, to the world, and to God himself and signifies a commitment to serve God in and through his church. The church, given the name of Anabaptists in its early days, gave their lives to uphold the immersion of believers in a day when mainstream Christianity abandoned believers' baptism for infant baptism and some of sprinkling in place of immersion. We owe it. That is an important thing in this church that we will hold to. The Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. 
This is my body which is broken for you. Do this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It is a command to observe, to make fresh our remembrance of what Christ done for us in providing salvation through the sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross of Calvary. It is a particularly set apart, solemn and holy observance that is to be continually observed until we drink it new with him in the kingdom of God. But I say unto you, Mark or Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink henceforth of the, this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Number four, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. The fellowship of God's people. Every church activity that we do in church is to be rooted in fellowship. It is to join us together more closely, to knit our hearts together as a spiritual family. It is part of the edification process and builds friendships rooted in spiritual purity. Our family camp is a large part of not only the edification of the church through teaching and preaching, but it also helps us to get to know and enjoy each other better, to understand one another. It brings our families closer together with church family and further brings in the specialness and desire to be all in together as a church and fosters, listen to this, if done right, if fosters future generational closeness of families with the church. This is an important purpose to be maintained in a church. I think it's overlooked and it's misused many times. Church is to be a special and longed for generationally in families. When we lose two children to the world, which is what is happening today. They grow up in church and then they're gone. We probably have not done fellowship in the correct way. We need to be careful. The world wants to take us away from church. Fellow, true fellowship will bring us in and want church, desire church. Our children will desire it into the future. We need to be careful of that. Number five, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. The building, operating, and maintaining of any religious ministries for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to aid in the equipping of Christians to propagate the gospel message. There's much work in this area. It is the area of, it's talking about resources here. Resources have a purpose, to equip us better to propagate the gospel. We should use whatever we have in our ability to do that. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, 
and not unto men. Our purpose is to build the most effective resources for the aforementioned purposes, for those that we've already mentioned. And number six, the Eastside Baptist Church is organized for the following religious purposes. And this is the last one. The ordaining and licensing of men to the gospel ministry. This purpose is often overlooked in churches. may not be on our forefront. It may be hard for us to even imagine from where our small sense is and where we're going. But we should have a vision for it. To see people of the church ordained to serve as leaders in church ministry. Whether in the church, to start another church, to be a teacher, evangelist, or missionary, we need to encourage God's calling, and we need to equip them. Listen to this. This is a responsibility. Equip them by teaching the Word of God and the obedience to it, that they may be qualified to do what they're called to do. It is the act of reproducing qualified men into the ministry. If we do not purpose to do this, we run the risk of losing our posterity. We will become an old, dead, dying church. And you've seen it. When I look at the six purposes of our church constitution, the evangelization, evangelization of the world through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the edification of believers and Christian faith through the preaching and teaching of the Bible, the administration of biblical ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, the fellowship of God's people, the building, operating, and maintaining of any religious ministries for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to aid in the equipping of Christians to propagate the gospel message, and lastly, the ordaining and licensing of men to the gospel ministry. I see all these headed by a single purpose, to minister life, to minister life. God is all about life, but we live in a world that is dying, a world that is enamored with death. As the man was moving Zach to surgery, he said to Zach that he would be in his prayers, and that sounded really good. But on the way down, he asked Zach if he had seen the Exorcist movie. And then later, as he's rolling them in, he says, have you ever seen Poltergeist? What? Saying one thing on one hand, but what's life in one hand, but then speaking of, of deathly things on the other. Proverbs 8.35, For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me, you know this verse, love death. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And men love darkness 
rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. John 10.10, 10, For the thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. What you have, Brittany, is life in you. God's all about that. The purpose of Eastside Baptist Church is at the expense of our own life, in the likeness of Jesus Christ to minister life into this world that death may be conquered. Now some may say, well, death comes to all. Well, physical death, with the exception of a few, will come to all. It is the eternal death that can be conquered through Jesus Christ our Lord. Actually, death, for those who are saved, is a promotion day. You'll never be so welcomed in heaven. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now to conclude, I think Paul in his life gave a conclusion of how we should maybe hopefully see us as a church, as an individuals. He said in 2 Timothy 3.10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Constitution, people ought to fully know our doctrine. Our manner of life, how we go about living out there. Our purpose, he says, my purpose, what my purpose is. My faith, my long suffering, my charity, and my patience. I think that's a pretty good verse. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pianist playing. What is your constitution? What is your purpose? This is a time to renew that. I'll tell you what, it just takes a, an hour to get away and forget it and to do something we want to do, what we like, what the restaurant we're going to go to. All those things, and we forget our purpose. We need our purpose renewed. Our church needs to look back at that Constitution, make some corrections, and stand to it. Where are you at? I hope you walk out of here today with a renewed purpose in your life and an excitement for this church to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ in any way we can with everything we have.
Amen. Thank you for your attention. Pray the Lord spoke to your heart. And has moved you, not just, but in a meaningful way, to have your purpose renewed. Um, one of the things in our Constitution is announcement of two Sundays that we're going to have a special business meeting. Uh, I announced it last week. I'll announce it this week again that we are going to have a, a business meeting on Sunday, um, this coming Sunday, uh, to vote on a direction the uh, uh, the church is going to say how we're going to move forward in a building project, at least some of the, the framework, and get a, a final agreeance or disagreeance to that. And uh, so I think that's important because I just think we all need to be together uh, in this. Uh, it's going to be quite a task, and it uh, needs a lot of prayer and thought and how we go about this, and um, so the, the deacons will be presenting that next Sunday, and let's do that right after church Sunday. Sunday. Um, if somebody can't make it, um, just let Andy know, and we'll get you the details so you understand what we're doing, and you can have your, your say in that. The other thing we have here in is we have a bunch of these books out here. They're called Done. I want you to take one of these and read it yourself so you understand where it's coming from, so you're encouraged by what it is. And there'll be certain people, not everybody will you'll feel compelled to give this book to, but there'll be people that you know might would read this. And it may make a whole difference in their life. And uh, so I want to be, for us to be able to give, I think we've got, what, 100 of them? It'd be great if we could lovingly and prayerfully, through our church, give out 100 of these through our contacts in our life. Give it to your families. And it says, what most done, what most religions never tell you. I think that's a good good statement and people will read it if you're on a plane or something like that you just keep one and be so take one read it for yourself then take some more from the back in the box and pass those out as you feel led so I'll leave these up here like I said there's more in the back let's pray father thank you for your blessings in life Lord uh, pray as we go and minister uh, to those that are close to home, Lord God, that you would encourage their lives and may we worship together with those that are saved and may we send a message of how they can be saved if they're not. And um, may you get all the honor and glory for it. Um, we have a purpose and we're going to get the gospel out to those up there. We're going to fellowship with them and uh, love them. And so, Father, we thank you for that opportunity. Opportunities don't come in big, big ways these days. So we must take any opportunity we have to, get, to find room to, to get the gospel out. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Give us more opportunities, Lord. Bless the, each family as they endeavor to be a witness and a testimony 
of God in and through their families as individuals and in the church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.